This is Ibrox. Hi and welcome to This is Ibrox. I'm Tommy McIntyre, um, appearing on camera for a very rare occasion uh, at the moment and I am very, very pleased to be joined by University of Liverpool lecturer, finance expert and co-host of the Price of Football podcast, which I would recommend everybody listens to, Kieran Maguire. Kieran, nice to see you again, buddy. Um, I'm, uh, thanks very much, Tommy. It's uh, always good to chat. Um, and it's good that football season's back and we, and we can start watching games again. So I'm, I'm sort of genuinely excited. I share that excitement, maybe not on the basis of the game that we're about to talk about. Uh, I would rather not have had to have watched that last night. And we are here to talk about, very, very briefly, and thank you so much for your time, the potential financial impacts of Rangers' fairly abysmal defeat to Malmo, 2-1 on the night, 4-2 in aggregate, and the Champions League qualifiers last night. Malmo were 10 men. Uh, still struggling to get through some of that, having watched it live last night. And I just wanted to work through with you what that could potentially look at. You know, Rangers obviously currently trading and operating loss, I think 15.9 million last season as well. Some of the operational numbers behind that. And whilst the club wouldn't naturally have been focusing on costing in Champions League because it's a gamble, I'm just interested from your view initially, for a Scottish club, how big is it to, to miss out on the Champions League? It, it certainly moves the dial a long way. If, if we take a look at Rangers accounts for 2020, I think what is fairly unique about Rangers is that they generated 60% of their money, 60% of their revenues through, um, through the turnstiles. So they lost all of that last season. So that's 35 million quid uh, immediately gone. Um, hopefully that will be replaced this season. But in terms of the broadcast income, Rangers made 13 million in 2020 through being in the Europa League. You should be able to get that to at least 30 million uh, in, in the Champions League and certainly more if the club is successful. You get 2.7 million euro for a win, you get 900,000 for a draw. One of the advantages of being a Scottish club is that there are various pots of money that UEFA have, one of which is that they take all of the money from the broadcasters and they, they that pot is allocated depending upon how much individual broadcasters put in. So therefore, Rangers would benefit because BT have paid a huge amount of money to get the, the Champions League and the Europa League rights. But the way that the money is split between the Champions League and the Euro, Europa League is that in the Champions League, they get 78% of the total pot and remember that split between 32 clubs and it looks as if the other 22% of income is going to be split between the Europa League and the conference as well. So you know, there's, there's less money between more clubs. That they, there's a big knock-on effect uh, in terms of the club's ability, uh, A, to get money from the TV companies, but also if, and this is no disrespect to the, the opposition, if, if Rangers are in the, the Champions League, they're going to be seeded third or fourth, which means you're probably going to get one of Bayern, PSG, Barcelona, Real, Chelsea, Manchester United, City. You, you're going to get a massive club and you're going to get a pretty big club coming along as well. 
those two games at Ibrox, you know, if, if I'm the commercial manager at, uh, at Rangers, I'm thinking I can name my price. You know, ev everybody will want to be in a box. You know, all of our corporate customers, they'll be fighting to get a box, especially you know, if, if Rangers get PS got PSG, Messi making his European debut for, for PSG at Ibrox. Can you imagine the interest from media but also from, from everybody connected with Rangers Football Club. So it, it's going to be, it, it's gonna be a, a tough blow to have to deal with. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the club hasn't uh, spent the money already. I, I don't think they would have been that imprudent to take that approach. But at the same time, uh, you know, if, if you want to progress, if you want to continue to invest in players in terms of both wages and transfer fees, being in the Champions League, allows you to to stretch that budget a little bit further. Yeah, I was just uh, also noticing there that uh, your dog had joined us for a, a moment just behind you. We obviously weren't that interesting because she's wandered off again. <laughs> she's wandered off again. Uh, so showing how we cannot hold an audience here, it has to be said. Uh, beautiful looking dog, uh, though. So I'm, I'm really interested, though, in that, that sectional piece in terms of, so our commercial director, James Bisgrove within the club and a lot's been made of the circa 13% uplift in, in the commercial aspects of the club and as you quite rightly reference that a lot of that's predicated on you know different scenarios of how that plays out and I'm just wondering from your experience potentially with other clubs how big an impact that has on okay we are no longer going to be tilting for the CL here I would imagine that there'll be clauses that drop into place pretty quickly in those contracts. Yes, yeah. All all contracts with, especially senior commercial partners, will be incentivized in terms of lifting trophies, making you know making progress uh, in terms of the individual competitions, especially the European ones, because um, you know Scottish football has an audience from a broadcaster's point of view, but it's it's uh, it tends to be a domestic audience, and, and it tends to be uh, it, it tends to have a natural ceiling. If you are in uh, the European competitions, if we're honest, you know, if if it wasn't Rangers, would you be watching that much football on a Thursday night? Yeah, and if, if you're a neutral, and yeah, some people might say, well, I'll do it because there's nothing else on. Whereas, if it's Champions League, and you know, there are some there are some big ticket clubs there, as we know, yeah, and and. and, and the thing is here, we're not talking about the Rangers fans. The Rangers fans, as you and I both know, they'll they'll watch Rangers, you know, play against an empty an empty other half of the pitch. You know, but, but, you know, they're not they're not bothered about the opposition. It's Rangers they go to see. But in terms of the the much broader football audience, and remember, the Champions League is watched in 190 countries dotted around the world. There's a massive audience in the States. There's a massive potential audience in some parts of Asia, despite the time difference. Um, they will only tune in for the big matches. And if Rangers could be playing a Barcelona, PSG, Manchester United, then that makes a huge difference in terms of the the, the way that the, the contracts will have been agreed with with the commercial partners. So, so Rangers have done well. You know, if you look where they, they they've come from in you know in, in 2016, uh, you know, 2.8 million pounds was coming through the, the broadcast route. So the the uh, the commercial route, we're already quadrupled that, uh, but you could certainly have pushed that further. Um, in, in the context of, of Champions League participation. 
And so I'm very interested there in terms of, do you think this exacerbates the need to access the player trading model? And by that, I just mean sell players, obviously. And I don't think in any way, shape or form, Rangers will be pressing the panic button. But I would imagine that that very much comes to the forefront. Um, y- yes, I mean, uh, you, you, you may be aware in some Rangers fans, but we, we, we had uh, with John Bennett on, on the podcast that, that I'm involved with. And he said, uh, as far as he was concerned, Rangers for the past few years have been in a recovery mode, g- given the problems that, that happened a few years ago. Um, and therefore, the, the directors, the shareholders, they were willing to fund the losses during that period of time. And that's, that makes a lot of sense from a business point of view. If you want your business to grow, then somebody's got to put their hand in the pocket. And that has been the case with the directors. As we go forwards, eventually you want the club as a business to stand on its own two feet. And for that to be the case, you really need to have some form of player trading model in which you are making significant amounts of revenue. Um, am I allowed to mention the other lot in Glasgow on your show? Might as well give a small club a mention. That's right. That's right. Because uh, I, I don't know whether you're aware that uh, I, I got I got an awful lot of abuse from Celtic fans earlier this summer uh, when when they kept on saying, why won't you talk about the number of shares that Rangers has? And I said, well, yeah, I don't think anybody's that interested. So well, no other club has got more shares than Rangers. So, yeah, I, I, I am a nerd. And uh, I, I found that Celtic had 200 million shares in issue more than Rangers, which which seemed to uh, not go down particularly well with them. But I mean, the, the one thing that you do notice about Celtics accounts is that practically every year they are bringing in somewhere between you know, 15 to 25 million pounds uh, in terms of profits on player trading. And that means that um, they can they can they can fu- they can uh, trade at a, at a break even or a small loss basis and. Um, and have these player trading profits as a means of then reinvesting in the market uh, to, to try to recoup, you know, to try to recruit uh, new players, which they can then go on to trade and sell at a, at a higher price in, in a later point in time. As far as Rangers are concerned, they've not been doing that because they've been you know, in this recovery mode, A, to get back to the premiership and B, of course, to win the premiership. They are probably now in the position where a sale would help, but is not essential. And I'd really like to stress that whilst the directors are continuing continuing to be willing to put money into the club, then then everything is fine. But you know, the, these guys eventually they're going to turn around and say, well, you know, if it's if it's costing us you know, ten to fifteen million pounds a season, what are we getting out of this? Um, and you know, when we when we originally agreed to come on board uh, at Rangers. Um, you know, at, at the back of our minds, it was for a fixed period of time. If, if Rangers are successful and they are winning trophies, then the thing is, it, sometimes your hand will be forced in terms of player trading because somebody will come in and offer more money in terms of wages. And we all know that you know, clubs talk to agents who talk to players. So sometimes your hand will be forced. If we take a look at the the wage bill uh, at Rangers, 43 million, you know, that, that's, that's a lot of money uh, going out. 
but by Premier League standards, that's actually quite low. Yeah, you know, that would be be around about half of the you know, sort of the bottom three or four clubs in the Premier League. So you know that they can be blown out of the water in terms of of wages, and uh, therefore your star players, if, if they're performing well, will become of interest. So sometimes you end up with uh, with a player trading profit, even though you don't necessarily want to get lose the player himself. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's absolutely spot on. And there's absolutely no no indication that the club would have to sell or anything like that. And I certainly wouldn't want that message to be out there. You're absolutely right, though, across the city, I think fans of Celtic tend to pay more more interest to Rangers finances than maybe their own their own their own clubs there. That is very much no surprise to anybody in Glasgow, I have to tell you. But I and I know it's a very complex situation here in terms of looking at all the permutations, but I'm really interested from a a high line perspective or high level perspective. Last night's defeat, in terms of putting a monetary loss value to it, where where, where do you think that would roughly sit? Um, I, I think we're. But you see, Rangers could go on and win the Europa League, in which yeah. case we we have to re, yeah, reconsider everything. Um, but in terms of group stage, we're probably talking in the region of a minimum of twenty million. So you know that's. That, that's a good night out in Glasgow, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's a, lot, <laughs> a lot of money to uh, have to find from another source. I'm not spending that amount of money when you're up here, Kieran. By the way. <laughs> it's very much, very much on a budget. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think we'd broadly be looking at that in terms of um, gate receipts mm. in the sense that uh, whilst I don't think Rangers would be we'd charging huge amounts of more to, 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 to the hardcore fan base, um, but you know, if you take a look at a club such as Bayern Munich, Bayern Munich make as much money from the five thousand corporate tickets that they sell each match as they do for the for the, the tickets of the regular fans. So, you know, in terms of sales of those boxes, um, I, I think that you know there there will be there will be a tick down as a result of being uh, not in the Champions League. So, yeah, I would say twenty million is a is is a reasonable ballpark figure. Um, and if Rangers had managed to get into the uh, the knockout phases of the Champions League, then then those figures ramp up match by match because uh, you, know, you you get the vox pops, you get you get, get all the, the the camera crews coming to to Glasgow um, wanting the interviews. That stokes up the interest further. That means that the uh, you know the hospitality. Uh, sellers, you know, they can say, "Well, we, you know, we we can and we can charge an extra, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand pounds for a box, and we've got fifty boxes. That's an extra hundred grand here, and so on." Um, it, it very quickly uh, ramps up, uh, especially when you, when you've got uh, big big clubs coming into town. Yeah, and I think on that uh, relatively depressing depressing note, they are. I'm very conscious it's a very quick conversation with you, Kieran. Uh, before we go, though, uh, and I thank you, obviously, for your time, where can people find you and find The Price of Football podcast? Uh, well, I think you can find The Price of Football podcast on on any, uh, you know, Apple, uh, Spotify, all, all the usual suspects. Um, I'm at Kieran Maguire uh, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm an atheist, by the way, uh, just in case if anybody thinks, eh, it doesn't sound too good as far as we're concerned. Um <laughs> I was going to see that in the comments, to be honest with you, Kieran. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that, that's me, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm irritatingly on the the radio and the television far too often. 
the hardest working man in football is, is what I'm starting to hear. Um, I, I am the James Brown of football finance. <laughs> I've got to step away from the jokes that are maybe coming with that one. What I would also say, though, as well, is just over your, your shoulder on the bookshelf is the Price of Football book, which all proceeds go to the Trussell Trust. And I wonder if you can give the listeners a little bit about that as well, please. Um, well, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a teacher. I was, I was asked to write a book uh, because there isn't one on football finance. So I, I spent I spent two and a half years writing it. The first time uh, the the, ed- the editor, the, the, the publishers had seen me on television where I, I don't I don't take myself too seriously. So well, that's a bit of a serious book here. And so then I wrote it as if I was a uh, a fanzine writer. And they said, hey, you, you can't you can't call Mike Ashley a wanker. You know, so often in this book, um, you know, it's 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 aimed at students. Okay? So so. You know, after after two huge rewrites, um, we we managed to to get it out, and uh, yeah, it, it did sell well. That the so one hundred percent of the I mean, I'm on the second edition. One hundred percent of the, the proceeds of the first edition in terms of royalties went to the Trussell Trust, which is a magnificent charity. I must confess, second edition, I'm I'm taking some of the royalties myself. I'll be honest. Um, but if you if if you've got an urge to understand what's meant by amortization. If you want to, uh, if, if you want to understand what those numbers mean, I've, I've tried to lay it out in, in the terms of, you know, uh, will it pass the mum test? You know, I, if I, if, if my mum read a chapter, would she be able to understand it? And that was that was always been the objective. So, I've, so I've, it, it's it's I describe it as football finance for non-financial people. And definitely worth a read. I'd heartily recommend it. And I don't think anybody would begrudge you taking some of the royalties on the second edition. It has to be said. But once again, Kieran, thank you so much for your time. This has been this Zybrooks. Thanks for joining us. Hey.